and welcome to You Heard It Here First, helping you discover the best that Audible has to offer. My name's Imriel Morgan, and I'm here to bring you some of the best listens you can find on the Audible website and app. And we want you to get involved. We'll be hearing your reviews and asking you to tell us about what books you just couldn't get enough of in our genre corner. Let's kick things off with a featured customer review. Each week, I pick a review from the Audible website to find out what you've been rating. This week's review comes from E. Robinson for Joe Abercrombie's action-adventure novel, The Heroes. They gave it five stars, but what did they really think? Abercrombie and Pacey are a perfect match. Another great offering from Abercrombie, delivered in an immaculate way by the talent that is Stephen Pacey. It's a gritty, gruesome story that oozes gore and intrigue. Some older characters take on an even darker role, while some previously minor characters reveal their inner anguish. I would recommend this series to anyone who enjoys hard-edged fantasy with a sprinkling of dark humour. That was E. Robinson's review of The Heroes by Joe Abercrombie. Check it out on the Audible website and don't forget to leave your own review. Up next is our featured new release, and this week we're recommending a new podcast from Audible called My Lost Family. This is a real-life documentary about the host Danny trying to track down his missing siblings, Michelle and Andrew. When Danny's mum Lillian was just a teenager, she married a charming man named Raymond. One day, he took their two children to the park and never came back. Fast forward 40 years and she gets a letter from her daughter who is trying to track her down. It starts quite strangely. You're essentially dropped into a random interaction with the host Danny and his mum Lillian getting locked out of her flat because she can't remember the code to the door. But that just adds to the fun of it and sums up Danny and Lillian's relationship throughout the documentary. The story covers Jewish life in Britain in the early 50s and 60s and also what it's like to experience depression and trauma. The podcast is absolutely brilliant. Yes, the story is tragic, but Lillian's personality provides comic relief throughout, and I think it's really, really well done. Danny and his mum have a great mother and son dynamic, and he comes across as a sweet and patient son. His family seem resigned about what happened to them, and there are moments you hear his frustration about how different things were in the 1950s. There are times where I wondered if he'd expressed this frustration with his other documentary subjects, or was this style reserved for his family? It's not a bad thing. In fact, he's simply asking the questions that I had in my head. I didn't find the long-lost daughter Michelle super engaging, despite her story being highly emotional. In fact, she was quite matter-of-fact about it all, and I found that quite challenging to connect with. You'll like this if you love a real-life family drama, and I also think you'll enjoy it if you have an interest in the lives of diverse cultures and religious groups. The series moves at a lovely pace. Each episode is roughly 30 minutes, and there are five episodes in total. There are truly shocking moments and laugh out loud moments. It's a pretty crazy story, which is brilliantly told. So that's My Lost Family. Let's hear a clip. Hello. Hello, Joel. How are you? Bit schwach, just for a change. Really? Yes, but all the that's better so This is a nice cuddly outfit. <laughs> schwach. That'd be the Yiddish for a bit under the weather. And the weather was cold on this wintry London day as I stood there with my mum outside her North London apartment trying to remember the security code to get through the front gate. (laughs) What's the number? Nine. Nine. 
Oh, I don't remember. Oh, we trapped outside. Is yeah. Dad there? Yeah. Please wait while your call is connected. Why does it have, like, a Russian in there? I don't know. H? Why has got to answer, Mum? Why doesn't he answer the phone? We're, tra- we're trapped outside. We're trapped Getting outside. an answer to anything is always a complicated process in my family. Oh, H, for God's sake. I'm Danny, and that other voice you've just heard is my mum, Lillian. I'm a documentary filmmaker, and the story that I'm about to tell you is about my own family. Oh, God. I'm here to investigate what happened to my mum one day over 50 years ago. You can find the whole series of My Lost Family on Audible. And now it's time for our hidden gem section of the show. Each episode, I look through the Audible site to find something great that you may have previously missed. This week, I'm recommending a poem for every day of the year edited by Ali Asiri. Ali is a writer and former actress, and she's pretty well connected. She counts former Prime Minister David Cameron's wife, Samantha Cameron, as her best friend. This audiobook is really sweet. It starts with a prologue from Ali where she explains how the book can be listened to. She says these are a series of poems you can read every day as an act of mindfulness. Though she admits she knows most people will immediately choose to listen to their birthday. And she's absolutely right, because that's exactly what I did. The poems are read by a host of narrators, including Helena Bonham Carter and Simon Russell Beale. It's great because the mix of different voices adds to the performance of the pieces. And whilst we're talking about the narration, I want to give a shout out to Helena Bonham Carter specifically. I thought her renditions of the poems were so entertaining. Not all the narration was quite as good and I did find myself wanting Helena to come back. I actually first heard about this book on Instagram when a friend of mine from university posted it and said she loved it and it was helping to improve her well-being. I was happy for her, but also slightly jealous. Despite the wonderful mix of poetry with all its delightful imagery, I think I may lack imagination or my brain is just too literal for its own good. I found it difficult to connect with some of the more abstract poems. One thing that helped is that Ali starts each chapter with a little background story on what you're about to hear. For me, this made the poetry much more accessible and enjoyable. The only thing I couldn't help missing was why she picked certain poems for particular days. It doesn't take away from the book, but certainly could have added to it. And on top of that, while I did love the mix of poetry, I'm not quite sure about Ali's idea of it being a poem for every day. Some fit the theme of the day quite well, but in reality, they're not mantras. This is no self-help book. That all said, I did enjoy the format of this book. You could easily savour it and dedicate yourself to listening to one every day. Most of them are one to three minutes long. Or you could binge it. It's entirely up to you. I did find the book really relaxing, and while some of the poems weren't quite to my taste, the benefit of this kind of book is there are hundreds of others to try. And here's a clip of one of the poems I really enjoyed. Once upon a time, a frog croaked away in Bingle Bog. Every night from dusk to dawn, he croaked on and on and on. Other creatures loathed his voice, but alas, they had no choice, and the crass cacophony blared out from the sumac tree, at whose foot the frog each night minstreled on till morning night. Neither stones, nor prayers, nor sticks, insults or complaints or bricks stilled the frog's determination to display his heart's elation. But one night... A nightingale, in the moonlight cold and pale, perched upon the sumac tree, casting forth her melody. Dumbstruck sat the gaping frog, 
and the whole admiring bog stared towards the sumac rapt, and when she had ended, clapped. Ducks had swum and herons waded to her as she serenaded, and a solitary loon wept beneath the summer moon. Toads and teals and tiddlers, captured by her voice, cheered on enraptured. Bravo! Too divine encore! So the nightingale once more, quite unused to such applause, sang till dawn without a pause. Like what you've heard? You can find a poem for every day of the year edited by Ali Aziri by searching for it on the Audible website. And when you heard it here first, I'm not the only one who'll be recommending you some audio goodness. Joining me every week in the studio will be two editors from Audible to tell me about the books that they've been loving. First up, we had such a great time with her last time that we've invited her back. It's Frances Arlem. Last time you recommended the Audible original Slaving Away, but what have you chosen for us today? Recently, I've been listening to James Acaster's Perfect Sound Whatever, and I have to tell everybody about it. Why? Because I love it, and I think if you're a music fan, you'll love it too. Interesting. Can you tell me some more about it? If you don't know, James Acaster is a stand-up comedian, but in a past life, he has been a musician as well. Oh, right. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know it. (laughs) I honestly thought at first glance that this was a comedian's memoir, and to a certain extent it is, but it follows a path of being determined to listen to as much music released in 2016 as possible. I guess the premise for the book is that 2016 has been the best year for music yet. That's a really bold claim. Do you agree? I wouldn't necessarily agree that 2016 has been the best year yet. Because I'm kind of nostalgic, I would probably say that... 97, 98, 99 were really, really good like years. Like the Spice Girls and Steps era. Uh, I was thinking more kind of Blur and Oasis. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> I definitely went to the Spice Girls, which was a fantastic time in my life. <laughs> By all means, that too, yeah. <laughs> but I do agree, 2016 produced a hell of a lot of good music. Do you think you would have known that off the back of like your own knowledge of music or is it because you read this book that you're like, actually, yeah, it was a good year for music? So I guess what actually made me purchase this book and start listening to it was when I read the description about it being almost really a list of 2016's best music albums. I'm a little bit obsessed with best of lists and particularly (laughs) around music. Um, Up until I went to Audible, I was writing about music every day. That was my job. Oh, wow. So I've written a fair few best of lists and I wanted to find out if it kind of matched with some of the stuff that I would have said was the best albums. What was its hit rate? So he called out Beyonce's Lemonade. He talked about uh, Leonard Cohen's You Want It Darker. It was also the year for David Bowie's Black Star. Just so many great albums that if you asked a music fan what were mm-hmm. the, the best recent albums, they'd certainly call out several of those. But also there were a whole range of albums and musicians that I'd never heard about. Did you find yourself checking out all of his recommendations or were there some that you're like, nah, probably not there, I don't think there's any way that 
I could check them all out. I do not seem to have as much time as he does to yeah. go and check out music. But I have to say that I started noting down some of the artists that mm-hmm. he was talking about. And it also reminded me of some of the albums I'd actually really liked listening to at the time. And I've gone back and listened to them again and enjoyed them again. And then towards the end of the book, having written down a lot of the names that he'd mentioned, Mm -hmm. I actually found that he'd created his own list on his website. So I needn't have been writing these down. Oh, wow. He probably should have led with that, but then no one would read the book. (laughs) Yes, I I thought that too. And then it actually has handy links to a music streaming service, so you can go and listen to those albums (laughs) without having to write them down. Um, You said that the book was an autobiography. Can you talk us through that a bit more? Yes, so actually the reasoning behind him looking at music from 2016 was he entered 2017 in quite a bad place. Mm -hmm. Um, He was suffering from depression and music was something that he said helped him through some tough times. And so he went back to music Mm -hmm. and thought, I want to find something to get me through this. And so it is... A memoir about that particular time in his life and he talks us through uh, situations that he was in and how he was feeling. So it talks a lot about his mental health at the time. But also he talks about his life and growing up and what part music played in that. So as a child, the first album that he listened to, the bands that he played in during school. So it is autobiographical, but it is... A book about music. And he's a comedian. So was he actually funny? He was amusing, I'd say. I don't think this book is... I love that distinction. (laughs) (laughs) It was amusing. It was fun to listen to, but not necessarily funny. Okay. He is definitely doing this with a musician's hat on rather than a comedian's hat on. All right. Why should the good people of Audible listen to this book? I think if you're a music fan... You have to listen to this. You'll have nostalgia of some of the music that he talks about. You'll want to listen to all the music that he talks about pretty much. (laughs) doesn't matter whether you're a fan of folk music, of jazz, of um, metalcore, whatever you're into, you want to have a little listen. Yeah. And I think that's the nicest thing that you can take away from listening to a book or a podcast. It keeps you thinking and keeps you talking about it long after you've listened to that book. Thanks, Francis. It's a pleasure. Perfect Sound Whatever by James Acaster was Francis's pick of the week. And hoping to equally impress us with her pick is Alex Curran. Hi, Alex. Hi, you're right. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Great. What do you do at Audible, Alex? I work within the studios team, so I work for casting for audiobooks and dramas. Nice. And what do you love about audiobooks? So I'm pretty dyslexic, so I don't actually like to read. I've always like shied away from reading any like lengthy books. So that's when I started listening to them, which I found really useful. And I love that I can listen to them wherever I am. I can listen when I'm in the bath or on the way to work or when I'm at work. So I get through quite a lot. Brilliant. Could you tell us what book you've chosen for us? So the book I've chosen is called The Light We Lost by Jill Santopolo. So the story is about Lucy and the whole book is a 
letter to her first love, Gabe, mm-hmm. who she meets right at the beginning of the story on um, the 11th of September 2001, mm-hmm. which is a very important date. And the book follows their year-long relationship and the 10 years after their relationship from Lucy's point of view. What did you love about it? So what I loved about it is it follows all the different types of relationships that you find in your life. So short-term relationships, long-term relationships, mm-hmm. boyfriends, husbands, motherhood, friends, and how she feels about all of that. Um, it's fiction, but it's very truthful. Like you follow all of her insecurities and her jealousies mm. and she makes mistakes and she makes good choices and it felt very real. i weirdly into it yeah um, I did not expect to be into it it's very romance heavy in yeah. that she's very in love with Gabe like mm-hmm. you definitely get the sense that she really loves this man yeah and I don't know that I felt it was reciprocated by him completely and I also I've read a lot of the reviews of this and a lot of them have been Lucy makes really selfish decisions and they don't understand why she loves these people but I also think that's very like real like when you're talking to your friend and they're in love with this person you're just like but why? And um, <laughs> that's kind of like what I related to. And I think that also like adds to the feeling of the book where you don't always understand her decisions, but you understand that she's sort of like in this whirlwind romance yeah. and unsure and insecure and all of these things. Is there anything that you didn't really like about it? For me, it was so good. And at the end, I thought the end was like a little too end of romance novel. Oh, okay. A bit too happy ending. It wasn't a happy ending, but it's a predictable ending. I don't know if that's ruining it. But I think you get to a certain stage in the book and you can see it coming from a few chapters off. Okay, that's interesting. Any characters that you really loved? So I liked Lucy. I really liked the way she would voice her child. So she has a child in the book and it's like very cute and she still does the voices of them and I really liked their relationship. How did you feel about Gabe? Um, her love interests throughout. Yeah, I didn't like him. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> this isn't a spoiler, but at the very start of the book, they break up because he moves to a different country to pursue his career. So he's trying to impress his father. But he still kind of wants to keep her, and I think that's why they have this ongoing 10-year thing of constantly being in and out of each other's lives because mm. he's unsure, she's unsure. And I think he as well is like very insecure and immature, it's hard to understand why she's so in love with him. Yeah, I got that from the very beginning. I don't, I don't really get it. And yeah. I'm hoping that as I progress through the book, I will come yeah. to understand that more or at least get more of him. Yeah. Is the book told entirely from Lucy's perspective throughout? Yeah, so it is entirely through her perspective. But there is another major relationship that comes later in the book. Ooh. So it's kind of like reflecting on both of those and the positives and negatives of both. Interesting. Were there any parts of the book that made you just stop what you were doing and just listen? Most of the book, I was like, couldn't wait till I could listen to it again. And that doesn't normally happen. And I think a major bit of that was, um, so the author voices the whole book herself. Mm -hmm. And I think she's got a really captivating voice and you can picture her as Lucy completely. Yeah. There was no stage, but just throughout, I wanted to carry on listening. And I think I finished it within like two days. I think I'm experiencing that because like I said, it's, just not a book I would have picked up or really felt like I'd enjoy. But there's something about her voice which I find slightly annoying. Yeah. But also very real for the character. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to find out it's the author's voice narrating it, she does seem like a really good pick for that voice. Yeah, author's voices don't always work that well in fiction pieces, but Mm. you can completely see her as a character of Lucy. 
And I think another thing that comes to later in the book is it follows like her career. She works on a children's TV show. Yeah. And I find that like a really fun aspect of the book because you have all these like heavy relationships. But then she talks about ideas that she's coming up for children's TV shows. And I find that like a kind of like light relief. So Lucy has a few relationships in the book. Do you find that you're rooting for her at all? I don't think I'm rooting for her or for anyone, but I'm relating to her. I think because none of the relationships in the book are perfect Mm -hmm. and they all have their issues and it's kind of like, is any of the people right for her? But I kind of very much relate to her. Thanks, Alex. You can find The Light We Lost by Jill Santopolo on Audible's website and app, along with all the other audio we've recommended so far. Tell us what you've listened to by leaving us a review on your favourite podcast player. Up next, we're dipping into the Audible Sessions archives to find more great things for you to listen to. Audible Sessions is another podcast from the Audible team that gives you the chance to hear more from your favourite authors. This week, I've chosen a clip from Dan Abnett's interview. Dan is a British comic book writer and novelist, and you may know him from his contributions to the Marvel Universe and DC Comics. Notably, for Marvel, I took the Guardians of the Galaxy characters, or rather took characters that existed and put them together as the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is what they made the films from. But those were very much sort of forgotten, broken characters, the sort of D-level Marvel characters that no-one had ever heard of, really. But I remembered as a kid, and I remember seeing these things as a kid and going, this is Star-Lord and and Rocket and Groot, they're great characters. Why is nobody ever doing anything with them? It's because they're weird and cosmic. Uh, (laughs) So when I got the chance, I went, I want to cherry-pick all these these characters that I remember. And they went, really? So my enthusiasm that I'd sort of inherited from the child version of me yeah. added something to that because I don't know necessarily whether anybody would have thought of putting those characters together if they hadn't sort of grown up with them. The mismatched nature of them, the sort of the strange individuals as a bunch is what makes it so I think unique so. and yes. interesting. I, yeah, I'd like to think that is particularly the case. I mean, all of them pretty much existed in some way, but they'd almost all existed as solo characters in their own stories. Uh, and it was the idea of lumping them all together into this sort of hodgepodge, mismatched group of characters. And things like Rocket and Group both existed as separate characters, and I, I thought, well, they're sort of a, if they're, as a double act, is that not more interesting? And I don't know whether it was just Zeitgeist or the moment was right or I got the chemistry right or whatever, but then suddenly you get something where, you know, you go from a day where you, it felt almost overnight where I could say to somebody, yes, and I write a character called Rocket Raccoon, and they go, huh? Uh, to two weeks later, everybody in the streets got, you know, Rocket Raccoon backpacks. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what happened there? It was very weird. So, yeah, it, it, sometimes it is a matter of just recombining the elements. And I think a lot of shared universes, again, Marvel, DC, all this sort of stuff, they work on that basis. The, the raw materials remain the same. The legacy of characters remains the same. It's just finding new ways, interesting ways of combining them and, and adding to that. Not retelling a story, but telling a story in a different way with a different group of people in it. I really enjoyed this Audible session. Dan is very, very bright and super passionate. And I really liked his way of thinking, which I think comes across really well in this interview. Later on in the episode, he actually talks quite honestly about the process of being a real writer versus a writer for hire, which also has its perks. But I'm glad that he got to talk about his passion of bringing the Guardians of the Galaxy together because it is an excellent film franchise. I absolutely adore it. If you want to find out more about Dan Abnett's work, you can find his full Audible session on Audible, where you can also find loads of other great books he's written too. And finally, it's time to head to our genre corner. Each week, we hear about a different audiobook, podcast or drama that you love. Are you a huge history lover or maybe some erotica is your cup of tea? We want to know. 
This week, we're hearing about a funny non-fiction podcast, and Sarah is here to tell us all about it. Hi, Imriel. The audiobook series I'd like to recommend is Earpedia on Animals by Sue Perkins. The reason I would recommend this as a really good read is because within the series, there are about 13 episodes, and each episode is about 10 to 15 minutes long. So it's a really easy and short read for someone on the way to work or on the go. But I just find her really funny. Um, She uses a lot of current pop culture references. So I remember in one of her episodes on anacondas, she referenced Nicki Minaj anaconda. I just thought it was so funny and it made me laugh on the way to work. I'm not sure who her target audience is, but I can imagine it would be anyone from the age of 10 up to maybe even 60. Because it's just like a great way of like brushing up on your zoology knowledge or something. I, being a 30-year-old marketing professional, actually used it so I could be on the winning team of Ellen DeGeneres' Heads Up game. But I imagine if I were 10 years old, I would probably not be a marketing professional. I'd probably be an anthropologist. I really would recommend this. Thanks for that, Sarah. As an anthropologist, I agree. It's probably the best job in the world. Sue Perkins' Earpedia Animals is available on Audible. Fancy getting featured here? Why not let us know about your favourite listen? Send in your 90-second clip telling us about your favourite audiobook, podcast or audio drama for your chance to appear on You Heard It Here First. Just record a voice note and send it over to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk. But remember, keep this a spoiler-free zone. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. What are you waiting for? Now's your chance to go and listen to some more amazing audio. And don't forget to send us your book reviews for Genre Corner. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen, presented by me, Imriel Morgan, and featuring Francis Earlham and Alex Curran. It was produced by Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan, and the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. 